Hey, thank you for being here today. We welcome you. Again, Metroplex Family Church is on a continued mission of four words. That's extending the love of God to people as family, uh, equipping people, of course, in their relationship with the Lord as far as growing in their relationship with the Lord, and empowering people. Notice this third one, to discover God's divine purpose. You know, when you're born in this earth, you're here for a reason. You're not an accident. And God has you here for a specific reason, and Satan will do everything he can to stop you from finding that reason. And I want to help you. We want to help you to discover that, because when you discover that, you really have a real understanding of why you're here, what you're supposed to do, and you enjoy life. You don't endure it. And then finally, experiencing the joy of helping each other. You know, we're the family of God. The family of God is a good thing. And I realize there are a lot of churches that are not built necessarily on the premise of family. It's built more on, you know, a structure and an organization, which I understand that, and um, been a large, been a, I was on a large church for five years as a staff member, and one of the things that Pastor Steve Vickers endeavored to get across to me was it's not just about, even though we ran several thousand, he wanted to make it as personable and as individual as possible, and uh, I've never lost that, And uh, because it's not about buildings, it's not about personalities, it's about the people of God. So anyway, today I'm in our series called The Basics, and I want to talk about the Holy Spirit some more. He is not something that a lot of people minister on. It's, it's actually it's a misunderstood subject in my opinion. But God gave Jesus to the world, and then Jesus in turn gave the Holy Spirit to you and I. Over here in John 14, 26, notice what it says in the Amplified Bible. Just look at this. Um, this is really good. This is the Amplified Bible Classic. It says, but the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. So notice this with me. And then look. look at the next verse. And it says, and he will cause you to recall, will remind you and bring to remembrance everything I've told you. Go back to verse, the first part of that verse again. Thank you. It says the comforter, and it's talking about the Holy Spirit are these, are these attributes. He's a comforter. He's a, as a matter of fact, let's say them together. He's a comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. Notice what it says here. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. And look at this phrase right here in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. I think that's so interesting, ladies and gentlemen, because so many times the Holy Spirit has been misunderstood and a relationship with the Holy Spirit has been set aside, and we're, we're not going to do that. Some statements I want to read to you. First of all, there is no relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. You just can't have a relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't exist. You have to have that. But how many churches, how many pastors, how many ministers avoid this issue? And I understand the reasons why, and we'll address that later. You remove the Holy Spirit spirit from a church and it becomes what? A religious institution. It just becomes a social club. It becomes a place where people meet and gather and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between, you know, the YMCA versus Metroplex Family Church. There is no revelation, watch this, without the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6, listen to this. And again, this is interesting. I'm, I'm jumping there, but I just wanted to show you something here. First, because I could go to a lot of other verses of scripture and we'll back up here and go to the book of Acts and just a second. But first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, notice what it says in verse 6. Listen to this. We also made sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Notice that phrase, the letter kills, but what's the Holy Spirit do? 
He gives life. I think that's so interesting. When you, when you look at religion and how they follow the letter of the law, and in Judaism specifically, as well as American religion, the Catholic Church specifically, you see this substitute for relationship for religious duty and religious obligation. And there's nothing, form, there's nothing wrong with that, ladies and gentlemen, but it's, but it's a form of godliness. It's not really a relationship with God. You know, going to church and reading your Bible and doing things that are good are good things to do, but that's not really a relationship with God. And I think it's important that you know that the Spirit of God gives life. And where there is no life, there is death. And when the death of religion is a very destructive thing. As a matter of fact, religion is what crucified Jesus in the first place. And again, notice what my next statement, there is no freedom without the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. You have freedom with the Holy Spirit, but without the Holy Spirit, you don't have any freedoms. What it says here in verse 17. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Watch this. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. What does that mean? Does that mean liberty like we have in the United States of America? Is that what he's talking about? No, I'm talking about a personal liberty, a personal freedom, a redemption, if you allow me to say that. And it comes through the Spirit of the living God. Anyway, I just want to take you on a journey here. Um, as, as a matter of fact, you'll go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we'll start there. Um, I have some facts about the book of Acts. And again, I'm also referencing out of a book I highly recommend. It's called John Bevere. It's the Holy Spirit, an introduction. Uh, this is John Bevere. He's just a great man of God. This is an outstanding book. Uh, I highly recommend it as far as the detail concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's some things that I'm sharing today are part of this book. And there's some things I've added out of my own book, Acts chapter 29. Notice what it says here about facts about the books of Acts as we get to it. The last recorded words of Jesus are where? In the book of Acts. Notice the next statement. Listen to this. Watch this now. This is important. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the Acts of the Apostles. So if you have a Bible like mine and it says, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, just go ahead and scratch that out. Because it's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's so important because so many times we, especially in a religious tradition, what they have done is they have, you know, put an emphasis on the apostles and the whole reason what Jesus said here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me throughout all the earth, was that Jesus was setting in motion that it's no longer that I'm walking with you, it's no longer the old covenant or the Old Testament where God was among his people, then 33 years Jesus was with us, it's now God is in us and it's an entire dimension. And so when you put the acts of the apostles on there and not giving credit to the Holy Spirit, you're completely taking away the true meaning, in my opinion, of what the book of Acts and how foundational it is to Christianity and our walk with the Lord. You see, I, the, the Holy Spirit has been so misrepresented, so miscommunicated, and I think in my personal life and personal ministry, there's so many things to talk about in God's Word, but I want to go back to what, what was the most important thing that Jesus set in motion, and that was he did redeem us on the cross. And then he, in the book of Acts, says these following things, you shall receive power, you shall receive life, you will receive a relationship with God. It's no longer I am that's with you, I'm departing, and I'm giving the very spirit that's inside of me is going to be on the inside of you. You no longer have to, you know, walk with me. I now walk inside of you. I live inside of you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it really took from 
from a religious rules and regulations and rituals to a real relationship with God. I mean, you think about it, we went from having God among us, God walking with us, and now God is in us. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's relationship. And so, um, anyway, some more facts here, just some, just some notes here. It says, the book, the, the book of Acts, first 12 chapters, the major uh, figure is Peter. Peter's an interesting guy. <laughs> I like him. He can put in his, his foot in his mouth. He can make mistakes. He's praising Jesus one minute, denying him the next, and then preaching the greatest message on the book of Acts. I mean, he was all over the place, but God used him mightily. And the next thing it says, the book of Acts, final 16 chapters, the major pick figure is Paul. I think that's interesting too, because what was Paul? He was the Osama bin Laden of his day. He was the most hated person. You talk about the religious or Christian persecution we have today. I mean, Paul was an instrument back then of that persecution, and it's recorded in the book of Acts what he did to the church. And now, look what happens. God turns it around, and Paul becomes a major player or figure in the New Testament and writes half of the New Testament, and his first missionary uh, three missionary journeys, uh, the Apostle Paul recorded the book of Acts, and the first 30 years are basically centered around Peter and Paul. Isn't that interesting how God would take two people who completely were all over the place, messing things up, uh, you know, doing things that were not good, yet doing great things at the same time. I mean, just we're, we're talking about ordinary people, how God supernaturally did things through them. How did he do that? Because of who they were? No, it's because they yielded themselves to the spirit of the living God. I think that's the thing about Peter. I mean, Peter is a different man in the book of Acts compared to when he was in the New Testament as far as Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? And before the cross. Paul, of course, is a completely transformed person. He was an absolute menace to Christianity, a destructive force, and then all of a sudden, after the resurrection, he gets this supernatural visitation from Jesus, and look what happens to him. He's transformed, and then not only is he transformed into a minister, he ends up writing half of the New Testament, <laughs> I think it's just awesome how God goes and puts himself in the life of a person who can be completely going one direction and turns them around, takes them in another direction, and does it all supernaturally. And uh, it's just the amazing part of who God is and how great he is and the thing that he's given to you and I. Listen, I understand people all the time that say, Pastor Brian, don't you wish uh, people have been commenting about or asking me about the, uh, the Chosen series, which is an outstanding series. Some of that's even been filmed here locally and they're building sets here locally or have built sets here locally for the production of that up in, uh, I think, Weatherford in that area. But anyway, and they were talking about, wouldn't it be awesome to walk with Jesus and all that? Yes, it would have, but how greater, I mean, just think if you had the issue that you wanted to talk to the Lord about, you had to probably wait in line or try to get to him, okay? With the spirit of the living God in you, you don't have to do that. He is always available. That's the supernaturalness. You say, Pastor Brian, that's not the same as having Jesus before, you know, standing before well, in, 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 the, in the eyes of the Lord, God, the Holy Spirit, and the earth is the same as Jesus in the earth. The Jesus is not in the earth. The Father is not in the earth, but the Holy Spirit is. And when we recognize
recognize that and realize that, then we'll realize the revelation that these people had and how God transformed them. And they did all that without having cell phones and cars and technology and air conditioning. That's pretty awesome, is it not? <laughs> so anyway, look at these next statements um, I wrote down. The ministry of Jesus was supernatural in all four gospels, right? The acts of the Holy Spirit are, at, are all supernatural through every single book. This morning early, I just went through the entire book of Acts, and I was just rereading it, and I'm just amazed again how every chapter, there's something supernatural in the, in the, enfolded in this book, even with the journeys of Paul and his uh, traveling. The supernatural is recorded in every chapter throughout the book of Acts. Watch this. The Holy Spirit through us is the continuation of Jesus' ministry. Jesus started something in the book of Acts, and he didn't, it did not end. With him now, I know a lot of churches and a lot of theologians will tell you that, you know, that uh, what happened in the Book of Acts was related only to the Book of Acts. But I had this question for you: If God did that, then He is a respecter of people. That means He favors those people in the Old Testament. I mean, not in the Old Testament in that book of Acts and at that time frame more than he does uh, you and I. That's just not right. He began something with him, them, but he did not end it with them. Now man, because of his uh, theological things and all kinds of misunderstanding and misrepresentation has labeled it and uh, tried to shut things down, but that's not, not in the heart of God. As a matter of fact, let me just take you on a little journey here, the book of Acts and his chapter themes. This is, this is the way I see it uh, and, and recorded in my book. And again, I'm, I'm rewriting that book, Acts 29, uh, another addition to it. Um, I'm just excited about it. I'm doing my, um, my, what they call capstone here. I started in September, which is the final five classes of my master's at uh, SUM uh, University. And um, I'm going to be writing about this theme even more because it's just so strong in me about the ministry of the Spirit of God in the earth and understanding it and, and wanting to understand it even more, not just here at Metroplex Family Church, but all over in every voice I can get to. But look at this. This is the way I see it. Chapter one is, of course, the confirmation of Jesus' resurrection. Chapter two is the Holy Spirit within you and I. Chapter three is that we have authority in Jesus' name. Chapter four is about what the boldness we have in Jesus' name. Watch this. Now, chapter five, it shifts gears and starts talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And then you pick up from chapter 6 through 28, acts, the acts of the Holy Spirit through individuals. And I know it's the Apostle Paul, but there are many, many individuals that are recorded that, have, that God did supernatural things through. And all these things are for one purpose, and that is to show you and I and demonstrate to you and I that God wants relationship with us, has given us of authority in his name, and we're to be in him representing him with a sense of boldness not arrogance, but boldness and confidence in him that we can do the things that they did, we can do in this generation. And we should be doing in this generation. And I think that's so important. And over the next couple of weeks, as far as this message and series goes, I'm going to take you on a journey in knowing and understand the Holy Spirit. I think it's important for you and I to understand who he is as a person and that he is a person. And uh, as a matter of fact, let's just look at some questions about that. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? He is an equal part of the Trinity. There's the Father, there's the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. They're all equal. You say, how does that work, Pastor Brian? If you multiply one times one times one, what do you get? 
one, all right? They're all individual. Notice the second point. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a mystical power. Now, this is where the real problem has. A lot of people refer to the Holy Spirit or think in relationship to the Holy Spirit as the power of God, the manifestation of God. And that is true. And I, a lot of Pentecostal people, a lot of Pentecostal pastors and churches that I went to as I traveled, I was, was privileged to go over to 300, over 316 churches. A lot of emphasis on the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I, in this in this message, this series, my, my dissertation, as far as my capstone project, this edition, this book, my whole theme over the next year or two, and really moving forward in my own calling is simply this. It's not a manifestation of the Holy Spirit we're looking for. We're looking for a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, because that is the person that's on the inside of you. That's the God within you. And when you get to know the God within you, then you'll get to know the very person person that not only created your life the way it should be, but can empower your life the way it could be as far as helping you and understanding. We'll get to that more. The Holy Spirit is not limited by time or space. That means he can communicate with you and I at the same time. Isn't that awesome? That's the supernaturalness of God. And then the Holy Spirit is God's presence in the earth. You don't have to, you know, again, Jesus said when he left the earth in the first chapter of the book of Acts, he ascended to the Father on high. And he's coming back at that same way. So he's gone to the Father naturally. I'm not saying that Jesus could not appear in the earth. I'm just saying that neither the Father God nor the Lord himself are in the earth. But who's in the earth? The Spirit of the living God. And that Spirit is on the inside of every born-again believer. Now, if a person does not know Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, then they don't have the Spirit of the living God inside of them. It's real simple. When you're born again, the Spirit of God came inside of you. You have a relationship with him. And we're going to talk more about that. But the Spirit of God, again, has been misrepresented, but we're going to take a journey over the next couple of sessions as far as I'm concerned and understand it's not the acts of the apostles, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. And what he did through the apostles, he wants to do through you and I. As a matter of fact, that's the beauty of it. God is not limited to a calendar. Even though this was 2,000 years ago, he is just as wanting to work in our lives as he did then. As a matter of fact, it's more so now because every day you think about you and I get up every day, every month that passes by, the acceleration of time. What does that mean? We're getting closer to the return of the Lord Jesus. That's exciting to the Spirit of God because you know what? This cursed world is not where we belong. There will be a one day when the heavens and the earth will absolutely be changed and the new Jerusalem will come down and you and I will live eternally with those who passed on before us and we will live with the Lord himself. But the Spirit of God is in the earth right now and he's wanting to orchestrate you and I to be a part of the greatest generation that ever lived. And you know, I I am, I am thrilled to have grown up during the Reagan presidency. I am thrilled to have grown up with people in my family that, that actually landed on the beaches of Iwo Jima and, and fought for my freedom and your freedom as Americans. I mean, real heroes in my family. I'm thankful for those generations. I mean, that, that to me, you know... Um, President Reagan's the greatest president in my lifetime yet. I mean, I hope for the best for the people before me or that will be elected in the future. But as far as I'm concerned, just something about Ronald Reagan. I mean, he was a man's man. He was a leader's leader. And I was in Dothan, one Alabama one time working for Senator John Teague, who just passed away a couple of days ago, a dear friend of my dad. And I was down there representing him. And I was right near the airport where President Reagan was landing on Air Force One for an event. I pulled there to the fence and got out of the car and put my hand over the heart. Watch that Air Force One land right there in front of me. <laughs> I tell you what, because he was just a leader of leaders. 
And then my two uh, uncles who fought on Iwo Jima. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can watch the movies and you can look at all that happened there and, and, it's, and the movies are great. But when you sit on a porch and talk to two men that landed on those beaches and carried those machine guns that weighed, you know, a heavy amount of weight and then that messy sand that felt like rubber and those Japanese that were trying to kill them. And you know what? They did it for my freedom and your freedom for we could be where we are today and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those were real heroes. That's an awesome generation of people. I mean, right now, I don't know what the generation would do now if they land on the beaches out and then pull out their cell phones <laughs> so, and start Googling, where are we? <laughs> so, I don't see this on YouTube, how to kill Japanese. So anyway, uh, you know, I mean, Mr. Atwood's generation was awesome. You know, thank God for our past generation. But you know what? Thank God for you and I. And what's going to make us different is that we're going to go through these years of persecution and people hating us, and it's not going to be by might, it's not going to be by power, but it's going to be by the Holy Spirit, and you and I are going to march forward and be everything God's called us to be. And even though the world is getting darker, we're going to become lighter, and we're not looking for a hole in the sky. I'm about to be 60 years old. I plan on living 100 if Jesus tarries, but I want him to come back in this generation, and I want him to come back in your lifetime, and I want to experience the mighty move of the end of God in these last days and the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached by the power of the Holy Spirit throughout all the earth. And so to me, the book of Acts reveals the person, everybody say the person, the person of the Holy Spirit in every single believer. And when you understand the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not a thing, not a power, but a person just like you're a person, and we're going to talk more and more next week about the actual personality of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to understand that, you begin to dialogue with this person on the inside of you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will teach you, and he will show you things to come. As a matter of fact, I've written down four things. I don't know if I've got time to really go through the scriptures on this, but just for a point of reverence, the book of Acts reveals these are four areas that I saw, and I'll just bring them to your attention. Number one simply is this. The Holy Spirit test the motives of people. Of course, we see in Acts chapter 5, verse 9, where it talks about the situation with Ananias and Sapphira. That was terrible, where they lied to the Holy Spirit and to the apostles about selling that property. They ended up dying. And uh, But the Spirit of God tests the motives of people. And what I mean by test the motives, he sees where your heart is. And the thing about the Spirit of God is that if you're, you know, if you don't want to cooperate with him, he's going to let you just do what you want to do. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. And they say the Holy Spirit is the it represents the, is a dove. Well, I can understand that, but you know, that's just the way that he ascended on Jesus like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He's an eagle. He's a powerful person. And you know, um, you know, if they say like, you know, back there when I was 20 years old, I was real strong and working out, you know, how my, my son Samuel's all working out buff. Well, I got pictures of me doing the same thing. Cause I was, uh, I thought right when I got born again, I was going to kick football for the University of Alabama. So I was trying out at 19 years old. I was practicing, 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 and, and uh, at Jacksonville State University, doing everything I can to be a punter at the University of Alabama and continue my education there. And then Coach Bear Bryant dies the next year, so I gave up on that dream. But anyway, my point with all that, I was getting stronger and stronger and stronger as a, as a football player. And, uh, you know, people used to say, you're strong as an ox. My daddy would say that when I was working with him. Well, I'm no ox. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm just maybe 
be strong, and I, but I'm not an ox. And it's the same thing with the Spirit of God. You know, you may have the, the very thing on the inside of you is the greatest thing in this earth, but he's not a thing. He's the person. He's the Spirit of the living God. And when you and I begin to understand that, and we understand that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, he can be pushed aside, and he can be ignored. But yet, when you embrace him, ladies and gentlemen, when you let him lead and guide and direct your life, as we see in the book of Acts, as a matter of fact, in chapter, uh, we'll go to chat, we'll go to Acts chapter 11, verse 12. Uh, this is a good one. I'll just have to go to this verse of scripture. I mean, there's so many good ones here, but Acts chapter 11, verse 12, look at this on the screen here. Just watch this with me. I'm taking it right out of this for the sake of time. It says, the spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Now this is the spirit of God speaking to someone and the spirit of God will speak to you. You've got to discern between is your voice, the voice of the enemy, and then the voice of the Lord. But when you get that training of that voice, like, let me tell you something. In this room, if I were to sit down and have my, in this chair and have my back facing this wall, every single one of you could say the name Brian. But if one person was in this room and she said Brian, I'd know who that one person was. Sheila, right? I mean, I've been with her almost 30 years. I mean, I know her voice. I know Brian, she can say a lot of ways. <laughs> she can say Brian, she can say Brian. And uh, there's a lot of ways she says Brian. <laughs> so, but I know Brian from her. And so my point is the Spirit of God wants to do the same thing. He wants to tell you. But again, if you're not listening, watch this. If you're not paying attention, which I know is my fault as a pastor, a lot of pastors just teach you to sort of ignore the Spirit of God or wait for a manifestation of the power of God. God, that's the Spirit of God. That's not, that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is power. The Holy Spirit is a manifestation, but the Holy Spirit also is a voice, and it could be a still voice. I mean, the Holy Spirit's not going to run you down and tell you to do something that you shouldn't be doing necessarily, but if you're listening and you're obeying, and I'm telling you what, when you begin to be sensitive to that, then uh, it's amazing what it'll do. The next verse is in Acts 15, 28. And we're going to get to more of this in the weeks ahead, please. And also, this book does a great job of availing that, as well as some other books out there. Acts 15, 28. Acts 15, 28. Listen to this. This is another good example of hearing the Spirit of God. And by the way, if you've never read, read the book of Acts in the light of the Holy Spirit, I'd encourage you to do that. It's 28 chapters. It's not going to take you a long time. Each chapter is not that long. And it's just a great book to reread in line of what I'm talking about. Acts 15, verse 28. Notice what it says here. And look at this. And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Interesting. And to us, watch this, there was a confirmation. Everybody said confirmation. Notice what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's confirming something. It seemed good. There was this peace that passes all understanding. I tell people all the time, and some people look at me funny and some people don't. I said, if you don't have the peace of God by the Holy Spirit about that decision you're making, you need to step off and back away. But Pastor Brian, I feel this and I feel that. Listen, feelings are great. Feelings are good. But if you're making a major decision, for example, buying a house, buying a car, doing this or doing that, especially if you're getting married, oh my gosh, you're dating someone. You can't go on feelings, right? Amen. I mean, he may look good right now. She may look good right now, but time comes when things change. And you can't base a relationship on how you feel. You got to base a relationship on what you believe as far as the peace of God. And I think that's the beautiful thing. I love that phrase. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. 
It's saying good to the Spirit of God that we should do this or do that. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, when you practice His presence and the little things and doing these things, I'm telling you what, because He is the manifestation. He is the healer in the earth. He is the redemption of Jesus Christ in the earth. And that's one of the things in the days ahead that I want to emphasize more as far as the healing presence of God in the earth is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon your knees. The Holy Spirit coming upon your body in whatever area that you need, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, every organ, every tissue of your body. And then last, again, is protection. Acts 16, 7. Watch this. Acts 16, 7. It says, and they came to Messiah, or Messiah, M-Y-S-A-A, and then they tried to go to, starts with a B, we'll say heading to Cleburne, but the Spirit of God did not permit them. Okay, the, the Holy Spirit did not permit them. And I think this is so important. Uh, we need to remember this. Sometimes you need to have that witness speak to you. Let me close it with this, a dear friend of mine, and we're gonna pick this up as far as the person, and the personality, the person of the Holy Spirit. Dear friend of mine, Pastor Dan Strat, New York uh, Faith Exchange Fellowship, 9-11. Many of his people did not clock in that day as far as the, to go to work. They waited because he'd been teaching on the blood of Jesus in Psalm 91 for weeks. But his dearest, associate pastor who was a friend of mine was a was a professional driver driving executives to the trade center and I'll never forget this story. This is, this is so powerful about this, how the presence of God will speak to you. Well, he dropped off this client right near the uh, trade center, and he parked his car. I've been with him many times. We'd go in the trade center. We'd get the best cup of coffee you've ever had and the biggest bagels you've ever had. They were awesome. And eat breakfast there. And so he was going to do that, and he just got through with his breakfast, coffee, and his bagel, parked his car, and he was going to have an appointment later. And this is before the the first plane hit. And so he's rounding the corner to go to this next building. And this is when the first airplane hit. And again, all he heard was the plane, you know, descending that roar. And then the impact, of course, he heard, he heard the impact, but the building was shielding him from the sound and it didn't come around him. Anyway, he heard the spirit of God say, stop, don't move. Don't go around that corner. And he was getting ready to do that, and he stopped, he hesitated, and it was three times he heard that voice, and finally he just stepped back and stepped away. And sure enough, when he heard, the, when he, the third time after he heard that, and he stepped back and he stepped away, he heard this loud crash and this debris, and it was one of the engines from the airplane when it hit the building, slid down the side of the building, and if he'd have gone around that corner, it would have killed him instantly. I'm telling you what, the Spirit of the living God is there to guide you, to protect you, and to save your life. But if you're not listening, if you're just, you know, putting your radio on and your headphones and just listening to yourself or what are you doing in life, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you just got to be sensitive to that voice telling you not to do something because the Spirit of God wants to protect you. How many people, how many people How many people have died or done tragic things or done dumb things, especially believers, because they refuse to hear the spirit of the living God inside of them? God help us not to do that anymore. 